coming up on Art Palace. You know, ballet, we have half-naked, super-fit people right in front of you, and people still don't want to come. There's some disconnect between what they're doing and who we are. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Julie Sunderland from the Cincinnati Ballet. I'm a huge podcast person. So, are you? Oh my gosh, I'm a little addicted to a lot of them. What so. are you listening to? What are you? What are your favorites? Well, I was really into all the NPR and Slate pop yeah. culture stuff for the elections, but other than that, like my favorite murder, all the stuff about. I've never listened to that. What's that? It's two stand-ups, and they just talk about true crime. I just a recent one for me. Oh, that but, like, sounds amazing. Two two dope queens. I listen. I've listened to that one. That was great. Love two dope queens. Yeah. I love um, watch what crappens, which is all about garbage television from Bravo. I mean, I listen to everything. Uh, Wait, what was that one called? It's called Watch What Crappens oh, instead of Watch What Happens. happens. Gotcha, Crappens. Yeah, so okay. it's two guys who have been in, they were recappers and things like that, so. Oh, okay. That's all, that sounds so good. Do you watch Terrible Television Bravo? Um, I, li- I don't, I don't have cable, but don't you think that means like I'm a high-minded intellectual. Uh, you are. Because actually one of my favorite podcasts is called Rose Buddies. What's that? And it is a Bachelor slash Bachelorette podcast that is all about <laughs> the Bachelor franchise but and did family you of products. To the Rose Fricks pod- podcast, which was about the gay bachelor on oh, Logo. No. That they just did. Uh, Finding Logo? Prince Charming. Yes. Yeah. There are two different podcasts about that. Bitch <laughs> Sesh and Don't Mess With Me on Garbage TV. It's keeping me sane. <laughs> I, oh, Gilmore Guys, fantastic. Look, yeah, here, I've seen that here one. Here are all my dudes. This American Life, Bill Maher. Yeah. I love them all. Uh, Rose I, Who. Rose I, I love to, like, I, I do dip into some, just, like, dip my toes in the waters just to find stuff that, like, ooh, this sounds fun. There was one, and then I, like, tell people who I think will actually really appreciate it more. Like, I found one recently that was, I think it's called the Babysitter's Club Club, <laughs> and it's, like, these two guys who are reading the every Babysitter's oh Club bu- book back to back and just, like... Like, and one of them has already read all of them, like, as a kid. He said he was, I think, spending a vacation with his cousin's family, and he didn't really like them. <laughs> and so he just, like, his his female cousin had all these babysitter's club books, so he's just like, okay, so I'll read these. So it's, like, these two guys who are, like, reading these books as if they're, like, Tolstoy or something. So they're really, like, getting into the, the nitty-gritty <laughs> on the babysitter's club and... So uh, this is Julie Sunderland from the Cincinnati Ballet, and I know I have a general idea of what you do at the ballet, but I wouldn't even begin to guess what your actual title is. Okay, Director what? of Education and Outreach. That's pretty straightforward. Yes. Okay, and that's like not like a real, okay, that, that's a lot easier than our titles, I feel like, which are sometimes... I like, completely agree. I don't know what you people do. Curator of who knows what and community <laughs> walk walk. I have no idea. Yeah, they're... they're I have to always explain, like I tell people what I do and then I see them just kind of going, uh-huh. What is your title? Uh, assistant. I see you hear that pause. <laughs> I, I don't do even know. what know. you do, Russell? I don't even know. <laughs> assistant director of interpretive programming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not Helping mm-hmm. people to interpret art in some way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I assume you 
you educate people about the ballet? Yes. And you actually te do you, you teach too, right? I do. Um, I don't teach classical ballet very much. Okay. I'm not a classically ballet classically trained ballerina. Okay. But I am a person who likes to communicate and connect through dance. Period. Okay. I did jazz and hip hop and African. I went to SCPA in the fourth grade, and in ballet class they told me I dance like a hippopotamus, so I found another <laughs> route. Um, but I, they didn't stop me from dancing. Good to hear. It. Yes, nice Mr. Chevalier, wherever you are, I am now happily working in a ballet company. Nice nurturing environment. Very yeah. ballet is known for that. <laughs> Um, so there's a couple segments to my job. Part of it is taking the, typically the second company out into the community. Okay. So senior centers, schools, airport, Fountain Square, Washington Park, anywhere. Gotcha. Connecting with people through dance. Cool. Mostly through a performance. And so, yeah, so you came to it really not specifically through ballet then. Not at all. Yeah. Zero. I liked dance, period. Yeah. Um, and so, do you want to hear? Yeah, sure. Just whatever. So I was a corporate trainer in restaurants. Okay. And I liked it for a really long time. And then I started to get depressed and I wanted a new career. Um, and I started taking a class at the ballet called Dance Fix Now. So it's this awesome high energy dance workout. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. and I, it was making me really happy. So I decided to go volunteer teaching, get my teaching skills back up. I used to teach 100 years ago. So I started volunteering anywhere that would take me. Incarcerated teens, women in rehab facilities, um, facilities. Uh, women in jail. Mm -hmm. Anybody who would dance with me, I would dance with them. Oh, that's awesome. And it was so heart filling and amazing that I stopped, I stopped training out of town and I stayed here. Mm -hmm. And then the woman, Heather Britt, who had my job at the ballet as the education manager said, what you're doing for fun is what I do for a living. You should come and try and get my job because I'm leaving. I'm going to <laughs> oh, NKU. <okay. laughs> and I said, they'll never give it to me. And, um, I met with Victoria Morgan and Heather said, don't say anything about dance fix. Tell her you like ballet and blah, blah, blah. So I went in and I said, hi, Victoria, I'm Julie. And she said, I know you from dance fix. She's like, I love your energy. I want to work with you. So that's, so you, I would imagine go into places where people are not used to dancing. Yes. And how is that? Like, what, what do you find like those experiences are like, and what do people get out of that experience when you sort of try to get them dancing? And what are the challenges, I guess, too? Everyone's first reaction is embarrassment. No one wants to dance in front of other people. So yeah. I always let them know that I will embarrass myself more than they will. Yeah. My job is to be embarrassing and only I can see you. Mm -hmm. So um, the court clinic on Sycamore, I used to go there a lot, and it's uh, an alternative to jail. You can go there and stay all day and take classes, but you have to participate. Mm -hmm. And lots of people are heavily medicated. So not everybody wants to stand up, much less participate with you. But I find that once I just start, the less talking and the more moving, if the music is right and the vibe you bring is good, people are joining in. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it's, oh, you know what we should do next time? Let's do this. And people are really bought in. Um, the other thing I like to do is everybody wants to show you what they do best. So let's learn our, each other's names by showing me the move that shows me what Russell is, right? So Julie, mine would have like a lot of attitude, a little head cock, Julie. <laughs> and then you do it and the next person does it. Then we learn everyone's names and we put those together into a dance. So you're already bought in. Yeah. So I'm all about experiential, getting everybody involved, being a part of it. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I can, I can imagine that's... It's, it's always hard to get people, you know, to talk about art in, yes. in a certain way, you know, so I'm imagining there's some similar challenges there of just like people feeling like, oh, this isn't my area of expertise and being a little nervous. I remember we did something here a while ago where we had, um, we had a game night, this was like three years ago, and we thought it would be fun to play Pictionary. And so we set up this easel in the middle of the Great Hall and we're like, hey, everyone, let's we're going to play Pictionary. And you realize 
that people are real hesitant to draw in the middle of an art museum. Would be one of them. Uh, especially in such a public area as a, you know, it's like so intimidating. And so I think we had um, nobody participate except <laughs> me. Like I was just trying to get people started. So and like, I'm such a show off. Like I'm like, yeah, I'll draw. I love to draw. <laughs> and uh, then like, it was just me. It was just me drawing for like other employees. <laughs> but it sounds like you won, which is really what's that's, important. That's the important yes. thing is winning. <laughs> yes. Well, my favorite thing is to take the dancers into school. So we run this other program called Cincy Dance. It's mm -hmm. for 2000 third graders. And so to get them ready to be a part of this program, I try and bring the dancers. Mm -hmm. And I ask, you know, the boys, of course, who here likes ballet and no hands go up? Right. Who here likes basketball? I do. You know, what's it called in basketball when you go all the way around before you put it in? It's a 360. I'm like, well, that's great. We do that in ballet, only we call it a tour. And I'm going to have Derek show you a tour. But Derek doesn't do a single tour. He does a double. Yeah. So I'm like, how many times did you go around? I'm like, twice. That's a 720, which they would do in basketball if they could, but they can't. Do it again, Derek. Show them what you're made of. And then I say, I only want strong, athletic boys to come down and try a single tour, because you can't even try a double tour. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're all like, get out of my way. I want to go. Yeah, me, yeah, me, yeah. me, me. And they all try it. And most of them fall, but they can see, once again, you get that experiential moment where yeah. it wasn't just watching some guy in tights do something. Yeah. You're like, wow, that's harder than what basketball players do. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's interesting that like those like barriers that keep people from getting yeah. into something. Like even I was thinking about uh, the times I've gone to the ballet, and one of the things I always dislike is that like the clapping that happens in the middle of dances because I always feel like I don't know what they just did. That was so <laughs> awesome. Like I'm always sort of sitting there, and then you're just like yeah. you see somebody who's like, mm, and then you oh okay, I better clap too because you know I want to. So there's this weird like kind of social thing, and I'm always like I just. Just, can I just watch? Like, I don't want to have to participate. Like, I just, just let me watch this thing and not feel like I have to know, like, have studied this. Because I'm like, what's that? I guess, I'm sure it's, like, it all looks hard to me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you, yes. And it's the same thing with art, though. You come through a museum sure. and you see someone standing there and really focusing on a piece of art that means nothing, that I don't get at all. Right. And you just think, what's wrong with me that I don't get? Yeah, absolutely. Why this There's toilet all... on the wall is so important. I know it is, but I don't know why. Right. And I think, you know, we do the same kind of thing where like, I've done this many times where I'm just like throwing out a word over and over again while talking about a, a word of art, a work of art. And, you know, I've had like at the very, almost at the end of a tour, somebody will raise their hand and they're like, uh, what's lithography? And you go, oh yeah. Like that's not, like everyone doesn't know this stuff, you yeah. know, like you realize like things that we say when you're in an industry or, you know, there's all that jargon and you forget which words are just real jargony and you just, it's easy to get inside your own head and forget that. So it's good to have those ways of uh, connecting with an audience. Well, I think that's part of what makes me kind of good at my job is that I didn't grow up in this world. So I'm yeah. always coming at it from, okay, great. That was a great story about Balanchine. Does anybody know what Balanchine did? No, right. he's a choreographer. Do you know what a choreographer is? No? Great, let's start there. Right, yeah. Because the story is, Karinska would, she was this amazing tutu designer, and she would make a costume in secret for a year and then take it to Balanchine and mm -hmm. say, make me a ballet. But if you don't know who George Balanchine is, you don't care, and you don't know that he's the choreographer who made the steps. Right. So we just, we had a tour right before we came here, and I was like, does anybody know? And they're like, no, no. Great. So what do you, what do you, you do tours too? We do. We do behind the scenes tours of the ballet, which are awesome. They're oh. amazing. You do like 30 minutes around the building, which is mostly in wardrobe, mm -hmm. and you get to see a quarter of a million dollars worth of costumes. Wow. And Diana, who's been the costume designer there for 44 years, 
one of very few artisans still around. And then you go for 30 minutes of company rehearsal. Oh, cool. And it's $2.50 per person. Wow. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's only available for I'm going to go right minutes. now. You're coming. It's only available <laughs> go for buy my tickets. Minutes. You will. You can buy them through me. So. <laughs> but that's a great, and I do lots of after-school kids and mentoring programs, and we have really good relationships with some schools. And oh, wow. Every year the girls come in like, what is this? And by the end they're like, I want to dance. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I thought you might hear some information. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I, I was just thinking about stuff, uh, experiences I've had at the ballet too. And, you know, there's always the very like classical sense of what like you expect, but I feel like a lot of times when I've gone, there's been kind of, they try to mix it up where there's going to be something a little more contemporary. And usually that's what I respond to the yes. most. And that's what I'm into the most personally. Um, so I've always appreciated that because I, I, you know, I think if you, it's, they, I feel like they create a pretty well-rounded evening yeah. for people. Because even I think the last, the last show I went to was uh, Rite of Spring, which has been oh, a while. Awesome. Adam Hoagland's Rite of Spring. Mm -hmm. Oh, amazing. Dark, twisted, fantastic. It's really like Guantanamo Bay kind <laughs> of vibe, right? Like, yes. I mean, that was like, it was water very, dripping in, yeah. in the cells. Like yeah. military. I mean, that's sort of that dingy, like, yeah. I don't know. That's just where my mind went. I feel like the colors was all very like kind of drab military totally. sort of look. And yeah, I mean, that was really great. But then I feel like it, it was, you know, before that was. Theme and variations, you know, which is a balancing piece. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, you know, it was kind of a little something for everyone, it felt like. And I remember going, this was years ago, I saw, um. I think like Beethoven's seventh and before that was they did this um, piece that was to this uh, Kronos Quartet mm -hmm. um, album of Mexican folk music and it was like the best thing I've, I've ever seen. I like I remember it so vividly because it was so amazing and it was even like seemed sort of gutsy even to see uh, you know go to the ballet and see something to recorded music yeah too it was like oh do they do that a lot or? Yeah. So the full lengths, like a traditional story ballet, like the right. Nutcracker or Sleeping Beauty, we're going to use the symphony. Right. But I think the shows that you would love are what we call mixed reps. Yeah. So we have new works, director's choice, um, bold moves this year. And some mm -hmm. of that will be to recorded music. Yeah. So new works is awesome. It's a really good, like little baby step into the ballet. Yeah. Because it's in a more intimate space. I've heard it's very popular. People, people. It, it's awesome. Yeah. It used to be at our ballet center and now it's too big. It's at the smaller theater at the okay. off, but it's so much more intimate mm -hmm. and it's people on the rise. Um, and Victoria Morgan, our executive director and CEO, artistic director, all those <laughs> words. Um, <laughs> she has been really focused on raising up female choreographers Great. because there's none of them. And all the major ballet companies, there are seven artistic directors. And of the 14 pieces that were choreographed by women last year, they were all done. Five of them were done at the ballet. Wow. So she's great about herself and bringing other female choreographers. And New Works has like a lot of female choreographers. Yeah. So I was going to mention, of course, you have the, you know, the Nutcracker coming up. But does it even really need help? It doesn't. But we're excited <laughs> this year because we're going to the Kennedy Center, which is a huge deal for us. Oh, okay. Every year they pick a company to present oh, and okay. for the first time ever it's us so we're super excited oh wow yeah the nutcracker sells itself but it is super early this year it's usually we go through christmas and we're going to be done before christmas oh, so if you're thinking okay. of waiting you shouldn't wait you should come now well, uh, we do um i'm gonna tell you about one of my favorite yeah absolutely. we have a program called ballet moves that we started four years ago it's for children with down syndrome and then we've grown into children with cerebral palsy this year um, and in the Nutcracker this year, for the first time, one of our dancers oh, nice. from the Ballet Moves class is going to be a party boy in the Nutcracker. Oh, great. So 
I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's some awesome stuff right there. Yeah. Well, are you ready to go look at art? Yes, totally. Can't <laughs> wait. Please make it something abstract and unusual. Okay. So we might have a little more noise than we anticipated today, um, but uh, we are looking at two bronzes. I shouldn't say all. I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling this. I'm saying too much already. I was going to make you describe what we're looking at. Two statues of dancers. <laughs> two statues of dancers. Two small statues of dancers. One is one is a about a foot tall. One is foot and a half, maybe. I don't know. Sounds good. <laughs> Not a, not, a, not a measuring? I'm not a spatial relationship person. No, one is this big and the other one's a little bit less. <laughs> about this big. Okay, all right. You can tell that in podcast land. Okay, so what, um, what, what did you notice about them right away? I mean, we haven't really, we just said little people. We haven't really talked about. Well, they're dancers. They are dancers. One is holding a ballet position. Which one? Which position or which dancer? The one on the left has her arms in fourth. And her leg out front, double paid out to the front. See, I wouldn't have known, like, one was... Well, I guess I would have thought both of them were. I wouldn't have known that that's not anything. What is that on the other side? Just uh, She's playing with her tights. I think she's pulling her... her I, she's, well, what she really looks like she's doing is stretching to me. Okay. Looking over her right hip, sort of doing a hip flexor stretch. Okay. But I don't, she's not doing anything ballet-related. Okay, just... And her body does not say to me that she's a ballet dancer. Typically, like when you see a ballet dancer, their feet are turned out like ducks because their hips are turned out. That's very important. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that front leg is parallel. It looks like it lives that way. The foot looks like it lives forward. Okay. And a dancer, their foot would live out to the side. Hmm. So she may be a dancer. Her, her foot is kind of... The back foot. Oh, the back foot. So you'd be standing... Gotcha. You and I would stand like this. Right. And the ballet dancer would stand like this. Just naturally because they're always working on their hip turnout. So to see someone standing like that, she would be exaggeratedly into a stretch. And just to be standing up straight, her foot probably would, would not oh. be in there. Okay. That is an undesirable position of the foot, I think. But you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> These are all opinions from a non-classically trained dancer. Well, that's way more than I would have ever known. <laughs> so that's fine. So, and you said the other one is fourth? What? The arms are in fourth, so one arm out to the side, one arm over your head. Okay. Would be a version of fourth. You could also be in fourth. So, do you know, um, I don't know if you've like already read the label, but do you know the artist of this? Yes. Because so, this is probably like one that, you know, I would think most dancers would be aware of. Yes. Right. And immediately you would just think, this is probably Degas, who else would it be? These are famous right. ballerina. Yes. One dancer. I don't. You know, I don't know anything about this sculpture. The one where she's what looks to me like stretching. But since she is in there, I am guessing she is also. Well, that's true. And he did other ones that were not dancers. So it I'm could sure there be. Are people listening to this right now, laughing at me, saying, "How could you?" Know no, no, no. I don't know. So. <laughs> oh no, dance people who are going to say, "Julie, oh. you should know that." Well, no, he did like lots of ones of like just. Uh, ladies like bathing or I mean they're all kind of creepy and voyeuristic right okay so you're the expert well I, I mean maybe I, I guess the these bronzes maybe feel less creepy than some of his um, 
like some of the drawings, the pastels that he did, because the way they're framed, um, the, and by that I'm not talking about a literal frame, but the way he has composed the image. Like, and he had described this too as almost like looking through a keyhole. Mm. Like they have this like, when because a lot of them take place sort of backstage or in the dressing room, um, you know, he's often trying to capture these women in moments where they're, they're sort of not self-conscious. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of just being very much themselves. And so it has that feeling of like, they're the only ones in the room. Yes, sort of had these stolen moments that there was maybe a little voyeurist, that they were not being self-conscious, which is a, interesting to take that moment from people who are so conscious of everything that's going on in their bodies, on their faces. Dancers, on you yes, mean. Yes, yeah. ballet dancers specifically. Everything is supposed to be perfect. And it's not, it's very little about interpretation and about following a rule. Yeah, that's interesting to think about that, you know, most of Degas' works are not of the actual performance, but the preparation or on the sidelines or just people when they're not on stage. So I wonder if there's actually, if he realized maybe that when somebody is so hyper aware of their appearances and, and being on a, a stage, the minute that that cuts off, that they're like extra relaxed. But don't you find that that's when people are at their most interesting? That yeah. moment right after? Yeah. I love that moment. I love catching people in that moment. I must be dig out like on the inside because I will have a <laughs> dance teacher who is like giving out so much energy and smiling and then you see them turn and take that moment of their own. Yeah. Like, ooh, I got to pull this together. And you're like, oh, I love that moment. I love being a part of that moment. And when I'm teaching, I'm always like, oh, nobody saw that. I was like, ooh, I just made a face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think now we think of dancers, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just me, but I feel like we hold dancers in a high regard, but this was really not the case when he was making these. Mm. These were not like, wealthy people did not aspire to be a dancer. You know, it was, it was sort of like a, you know, the washerwoman's daughter or something who mm. would go be a dancer. So there's a little bit of interesting like, class difference that's I think interesting to think about when we look at these pieces too that the mo the kind of movement that was happening at this time with impressionism and um, really was striving for a sort of realism mm -hmm. and and a kind of and that extended to the social too so to maybe show people who it was almost kind of seen as indecent right. to, to show um, entertainers you know were not yes. were, were, were not uh, held in super high regard in that way and would not be certainly like an aristocrat who would be the subject of of art mm. it's really I, I just the, the sexuality of Degas is so weird because like <laughs> tell me more Russell well because he he didn't like actually talk to women ever like but is like always studying them mm. and he also said some really horrible misogynistic things about them sometimes yeah so he's he's a real real hard person to put your finger on i would not have gathered that by looking at these sculptures well and that's the thing is like in a way he actually is capturing something that feels actually very real mm -hmm. and is almost more fleshed out you know uh on one hand, that, that sort of voyeur look feels maybe creepy in some instances, but then if you think about a lot of nudes in um, other paintings or artworks where there is almost like a presumed viewer, 
You know, like the lady is in this position that is perfect. And we talk about that being on stage moment that they are being painted in a way that is um, showing them in that perfect moment that is posed for the viewer. Mm. You know, there is a presumed male audience basically for this nude woman. Mm. And so what's interesting about Degas is he's, he's not showing them in that perfect moment. He's showing them, you know, adjusting their tights as you thought. Wow, I just hit that really hard. <laughs> he did not hurt any arch in that moment. But he's showing them adjusting their tights or, you know, uh, practicing for ballet, stretching at the bar, things like that. And, and so it, it just, uh, in a way, it, it's creepy on one hand, but then it, it ends up capturing this realism and actually feeling like, oh, that's like a real person, yeah. as opposed to just like eye candy. Yeah, I don't feel like either of these women are eye candy. Maybe for the time, I don't know. They, there seems to be like a, certainly a, a realism even about their bodies that's mm -hmm. maybe not, um, I don't know. I mean, they're, very, they're not like polished in the way that we can get, I guess, like really study them anatomically or right. anything, but they are, I don't know, they don't feel super idealized. I mean, you said the one woman does not have a dancer's body. Well. <laughs> Meaning uh, the facility, not even the size. The, the one woman is more is softer than a typical ballet dancer, but there are just anatomical ways that the body has changed because yeah. of trying to force it into these unnatural positions all the time. Mm -hmm. So they're missing that part. It's not so much the weight. I mean, they're yeah. larger, but the turning out of the body and the way that her shoulders are really up and not really down. And mm. she is not an idealized version of a ballerina on the left, for sure, in the fourth position. Yeah. And, and he probably, I mean, the thing about these two is that he probably did these, I mean, maybe based on sketches, but the weird thing about these bronzes, I just learned, is that they're not, um, he never intended these to be bronzes. Mm. So this is one of those things where we look at these like, um, and because they're here in a museum and in a case and we see the name Degas, we assume, oh, well, this is, must be what Degas wanted. Right. But in fact, they were discovered um, as wax models that he had made for his own use, maybe to do sketches from or mm -hmm. as models to work from, um, that were then cast in bronze and sold later after his death. A little Confederacy of Dunces action going on there where you're taking people's work after they've gone and publishing it. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, there's, yeah, there's some well, interest. Well, here's the voyeur now, Russell. We are looking into something that was not meant for our eyes. Right, right? exactly. It's like his own private stash of sketches, uh, you know, but 3D sketches that were then turned into sculptures. He, he only made one um, bronze, uh, one sculpture that he ever intended to be exhibited, which is the famous um, little 14-year-old dancer, which has the real tutu and the real hair. and um, So that was the only uh, sculpture that he ever exhibited. And then these are just were made after his death and um, as an addition. And so they're kind of, I think there's there were like maybe 150 of the originals that were found. And then out of those, like only half of them were in good enough condition where they could cast them in, into bronzes. So it is weird. It's like, you're right. That is an interesting thing that it's, a, it's voyeuristic too, that we're like 
And now we're the creepers. Exactly. We're creeping thanks, around in his closet. That's not, not why I came to the museum today, to be creeping around in Dagoth's closet. Unintentional. <laughs> this is not my fault. I did not pick these pieces of art. But can you imagine if you were working on something and after your death? I just, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's... Well, you're dead, so what do you care about? I guess you're dead. But yeah, I mean, it is weird, though, that you don't... Yeah, like, we think so much about... We assume a lot of things are what the artist intended, you know, um, or the context. But there's lots of things that we look at, like, that are... We're meant to be in a church or meant to be a part of somebody's, you know, worship practice. Right. And now we're looking at them as just, like, a painting in this other context of the museum. So... It's, uh, That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Do any other things pop out at you, kind of looking at this from a, a dance perspective? I like her. I, uh, from a dance perspective, she's got energy moving through her limbs, which is important. Not this one, maybe, but her leg is really reaching out there. She obviously has worked on it. You don't have like that kind of extension if you're not stretching and working those things. The girl on the right, I'm still not convinced as a dancer. I know that she is, but... Well, we don't... I don't know if she is. Oh, Okay. I, I, here, I'll go look at the label. <laughs> I, no, I looked at the label. It said she was playing with her tights. That's what, where I got that idea from, because I thought she was stretching. Yeah. She just seemed to me to be stretching. Okay, and yeah. I, 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 I thought it was a dancer, but I, then after, after you said that, it now I be. started to doubt it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I, and maybe the turnout really has come a long way in the last 50 years. I don't think so. How, so this is a weird question I wasn't really sure of. Like, and, and how old is ballet? Like in the late 1700s. Okay. And it was for kings and queens and it was for yeah. the aristocracy. You know, I, I only know things through like movies and televisions. So. Of course. <laughs> so I was thinking like, well, there's definitely ballet in the movie Amadeus because that's yes. a big point in the <laughs> opera that they don't want ballet and opera mixing. And so I was like, it's at least that old. <laughs> yes. But that, so that was actually like, so in the 1700s, it was actually kind of new. Yes. That's always crazy. I feel like that's not that old. Right. I mean, obviously, it, it's old, but I just feel like as an art form, it's not, it's not that old. Well, I would explain, you know, where it sits among the museum and the symphony and, you know. What, you think, you think it's kind of like... Uh, like We're the littler one. We're, oh, really? I feel like we are. Well, in the city, for sure. Interesting. I don't think, if you say to anyone, you know, we're going to go see the symphony or we're going to go hear the symphony, and they go, oh, okay, I can relate to that. I'm going to go to the museum, sounds good. The ballet, oh, I don't know. Dance hmm. is this different art form that internalizing for people makes them uncomfortable, I think. Why do you think that is? I don't think people want to embarrass themselves, and there's no more way to publicly embarrassing yourself than having to dance in front of people. Oh, but I mean, I guess, do you think, like, to watch it? Well, so or... then it's not relatable to you, right? It's uh... not something you can do. Can you draw that turtle? Yes, I can right. go look at art. Right. Can you listen to music? Totally. Can you so dance? If... No. So, I, I, because I don't do it, I don't have any way of watching it and really connecting with it. Right, it's just not, it doesn't relate to right, me. Right, right, I don't express myself through dance. Yeah. So why would I want to watch people do it? Well, it's interesting because I, I, I would never have thought of it as being like less appealing than the symphony because I feel like, to, I guess from my viewpoint, it's like, oh, well, you have music plus dance. It's like, it's like going to a symphony, but there's something to look at. I totally agree with you. And we had a... <laughs> and sorry, and if I ever do a podcast with the symphony, I hope they never listen to this, because it just sounded like I was like, whoa. I love the symphony, but that's like, for me, it's like, oh, yeah, there's music and there's a, there's a show. Like, yeah. you get to watch people do stuff. It's much more now things to look at and see and hear. Um, but we had a 
president of our board once who said, you know, ballet, we have half naked, super fit people right in front of you and people still don't want to come. There's some disconnect between what they're doing and who we are. Yeah. Whereas with music, everyone can connect to music, I think. That's but true. when I see, when I hear the symphony and there's no dancing, I am like, Whoa. There are not, there are not fit naked people. <laughs> I didn't say that. That was Russell. I don't know what the symphony looks like naked. I've never worried about it. Well, that's something we should be playing up too, because we've obviously got lots of naked people. So much nudity. So much nudity. People on purpose posing for men. Right. Yeah. What more can you ask for? I mean, hey, I'm looking over at Roman Boy's butt right now too. It's intense. So and he like, is in shape. Let me. We've got you. a little something for everyone, for actually. Everyone. <laughs> Fully clothed people. It's more your style. There's a nun over here. I totally have like no eye for like what the average person will find shocking or scandalous. Mm. So I've, I definitely, I was with a school group once. It was like a high school group and. I sh the teacher actually asked me, I think specifically, if we had anything by Degas. Like it was not supposed to be on the tour. And then I was like, oh yeah. And so on our way out back to the door, I dropped by here and she was like, oh, I didn't know they'd be nude. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, I would never have thought this was scandalous, but I no. guess, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think about it that way, but I guess, so maybe. You didn't. You don't. Wouldn't think of this as scandalous. I do not, and I'm not even a huge fan of nudity. And they, she's nude, and it's fine. It's not grotesque or. I can't. I just feel like when something's in bronze, like it can't be sexy. Like no, I find nothing it's, sexy. It's not fleshy. It's it's like that's like not. Did you say it's not fleshy? Yeah, it's not fleshy. It's not. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, in here, I mean, it, I think it, it actually benefits the work and that it's like, it feels very quick. You know, you, people often say you can actually see his thumbprints in there. Mm. Um, it's very rough. You know, the, the quality of it is, I think in a way when we we're talking about dancing, it, it's like capturing this gesture very quickly. And so it feels like very energetic. You know, it feels like alive in that way, because in the way that the bronze is like cast um, from the wax that was all built up. Um, but all of that equals not terribly sexy to me. No. <laughs> Even though you have a woman dancing with her leg up naked, it's not no. sexy in any way. I feel like she doesn't, her, doesn't have much of a face either. <laughs> but sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was Russell. Um, just kidding. Oh. So it does feel like you've captured a moment, but the moment that she's in, mm -hmm. it, it, my guess is, that moment takes time. That's a soft moment to get to, I think. Oh, okay. As opposed to like a quick kick. She looks like she's lifted her leg up, bent, and then straightened it out. Oh. So that's a moment that took time, and then your, your goal is to hold that moment. Oh. And so she's reaching, see how her leg is reaching uh -huh. to hold that moment. So okay. that, it is, a, it is movement, but it is a, there is a stillness in that moment on purpose. Oh. He didn't catch her in the midst of a whoosh. Okay. He caught her at the end of a, woof, look at this, uh, out, 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 and down. That's my guess. Nice. See, I would never have thought that, but you know way more about dancing, so. And what I know is still very little, but. <laughs> Once again, girl on the right, no clue, stretching her butt. She's very pretty. <laughs> she seems very into her body, like in, in her body as a dance person, you know? Yeah. Whereas the other girl's shoulders are not where we want them, but. What do you mean? She just, maybe it's her body, her, you want your shoulders down and back, you want to be like standing up tall and proud. So this is a, this, this is probably a stolen moment from someone by themselves, mm -hmm. right? Just working at home in this moment. 
she's not her head isn't doing anything yeah so so you look at that and you see the shoulders and the head are not what would be ideal in this exact moment she's not all the way there but yeah. she's got a lot of talent she's got a lot of talent. we like her <laughs> i don't know energetically and it's changing when we first sat down i felt a lot of sadness with her and that could be me and the time and whatever and i'm feeling less and less as we sit here with her you felt sadness for her I felt like she was just having this quiet moment of reflection oh. to herself. And like I said, it could be what I'm bringing to the table. And okay. now I'm feeling less of that. What, do you have any energetic moments somewhere? Emotionally? With them? Yes. Hmm. No, I respond more to the, the tights lady than the... You do? Yeah. Talk, talk to me about that. Um, maybe it is just, well... I guess it's, it is that it feels much more human mm -hmm. to me and that it isn't performative, um, that it is just, like, I like that it is, it is cast in bronze, this very, like, sort of mundane thing. I kind of like that. Um, you know, you don't see, I guess in the, hey, we were just being critical of the, the fact that this is cast in bronze when the artist never intended that, but I kind of like it because of that, actually, because... You know, it is this weird um, anachronistic thing happening where, you know, we think of bronze as very, it's like, oh, it's so much work, like, and it's expensive. Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't, you, if somebody's making a bronze, like, they really are serious about <laughs> it, you know, like, it's it's usually very serious. So, it is really interesting to have, like, something so common mm -hmm. feeling as a bronze. I don't know. It's kind of nice. I'm just saying, I would never have put the thought that it, you would wait to do something very special to cast it in bronze because of what a pain it is and the expense. Yeah, well... So it gives this level of importance that something wasn't supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, you don't just, like, start... I mean, to work in bronze, it involves, like, usually starting with something like wax or... I mean, actually, a lot of times people start with clay and then they're making casts of the clay that then they pour wax into and then from that, they make another mold that, like, the molten bronze goes in and melts the wax away and that so it's just like it just goes on and on and <laughs> on and it's like and and just the material is expensive so like you got to be kind of serious about it see the more you know dun, 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 dun. i will never look at a bronze statue the same <laughs> thank you for having me thanks for being with me today julie that's great Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. Special exhibitions on view right now are Van Gogh, Into the Undergrowth, Kentucky Renaissance, the Lexington Camera Club and its community, 1954 to 1974, The Book of Only Enoch, and The Jack Leg Testament, Part 1, Jack and Eve. Join us on the night before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, November 23rd, 5 to 9 p.m. for Art After Dark, Kentucky Renaissance. Enjoy free bourbon tastings from New Rift Distilling, free admission to special exhibitions, food for purchase from Eli's Barbecue, and live music from The Part-Time Gentleman. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Our theme song is Au Fronde Musicale by Bacalao. 
If you liked our show, give us a nice review on iTunes. It helps others find our podcast. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum. Thank you.